So I try to get people to realize that most of their plates already plants typically, whether it's pasta with white sauce and chicken, like you can make that exact same dish vegan with the Beyond Meat chicken strips or tofu that you season like you would normally season your chicken. And I also try to get people to realize that if you if I cooked a piece of chicken for you with nothing on it, you would probably spit it out. So when people give me a hard time about how could I possibly eat tofu, I ask them, what do you do to your chicken or whatever meat you eat? And they all season it. Well, we do the same thing with tofu or a yam or a potato. And I try to get them to understand that like that animal product typically tastes pretty bad without all of the stuff they do to it. So I try to show people like make barbecue tofu or jackfruit. It's gonna taste very similar. That was Stefan Yankee, and this is episode 141 of the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Hey, you guys, I'm Jess, and I'm your host, and I'm so fired up for you to be here. This is a beautiful episode, one about making big change in your life, on receiving a devastating diagnosis, believing in your ability to live and to heal, and just knowing that you're supposed to be here on earth. And Stefan and Julie open up about their journeys, their journey with nutrition, their journey to health, and most recently, their journey to Carlsbad from Davis, California, where they shut down their business, downsized their lives, and moved to San Diego to go all in with their vegan business, Jules Foods. We met these guys on Instagram. Their handles are Plant Punk Kitchen and Jules Foods. These guys are vegans, but they haven't always been vegan. As a matter of fact, they weren't vegan, and then they became vegan, and then they weren't vegan, and then they became vegan again. And this time, based on the story you're about to hear, I think you'll agree that um, this time it's for good. We had the sacred cacao flowing for this episode, of course, and BJ and I are super psyched to be brand ambassadors for One World Cacao. You guys, we can share the love with everyone now. So use the code YogiTriathlete10 and save at your checkout at OneWorldCacao.com. I've been using Nola's cacao for years. I use it in my daily life. I use it for meditation, training. I use it for ceremony during our high vibe retreats. I use it pre-race, during race, and after races. It's a beautiful plant medicine that I have found powers me in a way that other foods have not. Um, so I also want to thank Dina for becoming our latest Patreon pledge. Thank you so much. We have a goal to double our patronage in 2019. So if you've been thinking about it, we'd love for you to hop on board. We're getting ourselves hooked up with a better mic situation so we can record more classes and not only have great content, but also have really good sound quality for you guys too. Uh, welcome Chris and Gary to team Yogi Triathlete. These guys are hungry and we are ready to feed their souls. And I think that's it, you guys, short and sweet. And I think it's because we need to jump into this story of just massive change, um, illness, healing, the removal of doubt. And we do that today with two beautiful vegans and owners of Jules Foods, Stefan Yankee and Julie Van Damme. That's 
that's what's so great. Or hop on the bike and I'll do a ride. I'm, yeah. I'm short. We got the cacao flowing this morning, and we're here with uh, Stefan and Julie, and we are so psyched to have you guys here, not only as guests, but as our friends as well. We met you guys on Instagram. Yep. How did we meet you on Instagram? I... How did you find... I think you found us, right? Yeah. Um, I found you through your podcast, and um, I immediately went to Instagram, and, and you had posted some sort of quote that was like directly related to what was happening in our lives. Oh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that tends I, to happen. And I sent you a DM. I'm like, oh my God, we're moving to San Diego, starting a cheese company. Um, all the cards are on a table. And then we just started kind of communicating. And then I kept like hitting you up. We're getting close to moving. And you're probably thinking, who is this person? No, we were like, we, we were love excited. them. We yeah. are so excited. <laughs> They're making a huge change in their life. And we were hoping you were going to come to Carlsbad. It's the power of social media. It's crazy. Um, Vegan Danielle, who's in San Diego, who works at Specialty Produce, has a podcast and met her the same way. And uh, the power of DM, it works. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's amazing. Um, the people that you connect with, people that are in our lives now. And, and one thing I love about it is that, you know, you're, you're kind of selecting the people that you're, you're connecting with. And I have no... I have no desire to, to, for small talk and mindless chatter. I just have no desire for it anymore. There's yeah. no obligation there. So the yeah. people that we've connected with and aligned with and who have come into our lives either just on social media or eventually into the physical, like you guys living like three streets away from us now, <laughs> yep. it's just amazing. I'm so incredibly grateful. And so people can say whatever they want about social media and everything, but I think it really boils down to what your relationship is with it. So yeah. you can remove it from your phone, but if you haven't gotten to the demon behind the, uh, the relationship that's keeping you you know, from living a fulfilling life, then it doesn't matter if it's on your phone or not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I've found yeah. it to be amazing. I've, I've met people that I, I probably wouldn't have met you guys as easily without Instagram. So, yeah. So, you know what, let's just, we always think we know where we're going to dive in, but let's dive in to this big life change that you guys had. You were up in, uh, inland hot, it was hot. Yeah. You needed to be by the ocean. Yeah. Davis. We were in Davis, California, which is for people who don't know, just outside of Sacramento. In the summer, um, it's typically triple digits. Um, the winter is not too bad. You get no, it's cold. Stuff, but it gets cold. And um, it's a great family place. And it definitely, we had a really great experience living there. Um, we raised our son there and it has great schools. And we have wonderful friends that we love up there and customers who we haven't forgotten about. Um, and... At the same time, the ocean calls me, seriously calls me. Every time I look at it, I just think I need to get in there. And I know it's like 50 degrees out, but I'm like, I still feel that pull really, really strongly. I felt that we lived in Boulder for 10 years. And for 10 years, I felt, I didn't necessarily recognize it until I moved back to the ocean. So I just, I felt there was like an ache in my heart for 10 years. And I loved living there and living there changed our lives for the better. And we went back to Rhode Island, which was such an intense life, which um, inadvertently deepened our, our ability um, to live vibrantly, funny enough. But I noticed within the first like couple of days of being back by the ocean that the ache was gone. And I thought, oh my God, I had this ache for like 10 years and now it's gone. Yeah. And so I think when you're an ocean person, what's your sign? 
Libra. Libra. So you're not water. No. Nope. You water? No. I mean, I, I pretend. I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just you narrow it down. You're like, if you're me, then I know. What yeah. You're if well. you're me, then I know exactly <laughs> what you're like. If you're if you're a Capricorn, then I know exactly what you're like because you're like BJ. Oh um, but yeah, the ocean. So I totally get that. It's well, I think I think astrology is a little more complicated. I don't know that much about it, but I think it's not just your sun sign. No, there's so much more. So, there's so, so much more. I don't think we could uh, we could break it down that easily without more information, but it's just how I feel. I love it. It relaxes me. And one thing I have learned in you know the last, I don't know, five years is being not, not being stressed is very important in my life. Hmm. It's very important. I want to dive into that a little bit more. <laughs> um, let, actually, let's do that right now. So life is going to hand you stressful things. Like and moving. Moving. Like what you just did is one of the most stressful things. Oh, so Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like you're going to eliminate it. But so when we decided to make the move, we kept, took a couple of trips down here to check it out. And every time we came up against some you know, issue, problem, we would say, let's just go to the beach and walk. And we would look out and it really did yeah, relax worked. us and work it out. It's just, you it's know. It's just so expansive. You know, when you look out at the ocean, there's no limits. There's no end to it. Your horizon broad widens and broadens and you can just think more clearly. Right. And so I need that in my life. It's yeah. easy to get pulled into the little nuances of everything and you need to open up and and figure out how to um put it in order and that just the the ocean does that for me yeah i think that i i'm not as enthusiastic to jump into it as julie is <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the dude in the chair with the hat and his book and i'm super excited about that <laughs> keeps an eye on me when, when julie swims um up the coast i walk with her and i walk back down with her and um i, I uh yeah i'm not as enthusiastic to go swimming in the ocean as julie however i do find the same level of peace and yeah. uh grounding when we're at the ocean and and walking it with the waves and um I feel like it gives us time to slow down for sure. Yeah, it and, does, doesn't and, it? And think and talk and and being so close. Yeah. You guys are cl you guys are close like we're close. Yeah. Like a block. Yeah, it's amazing. So what was just to to focus on that stress point? Like what was building to to create all that stress where you guys currently were? Or was there something? Was it your jobs, the lifestyle? I think the biggest thing for well there was uh, maybe two overriding factors for for us um we're vegan we're st we started a vegan company and we felt like the vegan community and scene in southern california was just insane and we really in wanted to, in a good way we really wanted to be a part of that um and then originally we we're contemplating between san diego and la Julie and I have both lived in LA uh, two times now, three, two or three times. They're two totally different worlds. Yeah. And then through social media, I really started to like hone in on like the San Diego vegan scene. And we just felt like we would fit here really well. And then on the two trips that we took to San Diego to like get a feel for like all the different areas, we just really felt like 
like this, this was it. Um, so it was the drive to be part of the vegan community, um, where there's a lot of us and get to the ocean. So we closed the business, sold a house, had our son graduate high school, uh, downsized everything from a three bedroom to a three bedroom house, three bedroom house to a tiny little apartment and loaded up the U-Haul in the two cars and moved. What was the time span? Just to put all of that into perspective from so, <laughs> selling the house and packing uh, it and... We knew we, <laughs> we knew that it was going to happen the year before and our kitchen lease was up in June. And uh, basically all through June, we were packing up the kitchen and getting selling stuff and keeping the things we wanted to keep, filling up our garage. And then the house went on the market in July and it sold by the middle of July. And it sold in a week. It sold in so a week. So this year. This year. So we're talking oh, this yeah. year. So this yeah. summer. four months ago. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then uh, <laughs> it was a quick close because they wanted to get in the house. So it was like two weeks. Oh, I love when the universe <laughs> speeds things up for you. Yeah, yeah it, was, oh, it was actually three man. weeks. It was a oh, 20, three weeks. 21 day yeah. um, uh, close. And and so, That's you know, quick. Carson graduated. We sold the house, closed the business essentially at the same time, packed all that up. And, um, and we were down here in middle, middle of August. So you guys downsized from a three bedroom house to a, we've been two, in your place, yeah, two a two bedroom, bedroom apartment. It's yeah. not much bigger than our it little really studio isn't. here. <laughs> and, um, so the thing that the question that we get asked all the time, and I want to know your answer is when you downsize, like, how were you able to get rid of stuff that you loved? Because even if you've got stuff in storage, even if you kept stuff from the kitchen, there were, I know there was stuff that you loved that you parted ways with. I didn't love any of it. <laughs> I love it. That's, like, that's the best answer. No I attachment. Had, I, I, I had no attachment? I didn't care. No. Stuff Just like, my bike. But if I could have gotten a new one, I would have gotten rid of that too. Right. So you were, you, were pretty, you were just on the train of excitement for change. I was ready to get rid of all of our stuff. Yeah, that's how I was, man. All of it. Yeah, I was we, like, just take it. We were a little different in that. I definitely had some things that I kept and, you know, have nostalgia for, like, as a mother and um, feel like I need to keep a hand on. But you um, couldn't take everything. No, and we do have a storage unit, but most of that stuff is, is work. work stuff. So can you remember kitchen. one thing, maybe it was a Carson thing or a wedding thing, like, that you parted with that you didn't want to? Uh, you have to ask Julie. You know, I don't. No, I you're think, out of this. I'm out. Yeah, I'm done. you don't care about stuff. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even it's know. a high level of spiritual intelligence. Not right at there. all. <laughs> Stefan has actually been a really good. We 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 work well together in this way, and that if we don't feel like um, we use it, we're very practical in that way. If we don't use it, we get rid of it. And there were some things that um, we got rid. Of. I think mostly kitchen things that I just like kitchen gadgets oh yeah God. me too i had a lot of kitchen tools that i had to get rid of <laughs> it that we negotiated nuts and the funniest thing okay so the funniest thing is that we got rid of a steamer and now we need a steamer <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was a bamboo steamer it was, it was, from <laughs> chinatown so we could get a new one it's fine but did, julie does love her kitchen trinkets I did. And I did win the waffle iron i kept it yeah so your nostalgia use. was in the kitchen. It wasn't actually your son or no, your... No, we kept your, some of Carson's... And your wedding or anything. <laughs> well, we got married at a courthouse, so like okay, our wedding yeah. is like... We're not super... No. no. <laughs> Which our parents were upset with for um, quite a while. 
So it wasn't too hard, but uh, Stefan's better at it than I am. I tend to hold on and... So that's why you, I have it on my arm to let things go. Oh, she actually yeah, has it tattooed, have it tattooed on her arm. on my arm to let it go. Let it go. <laughs> I was going to ask you what your advice was for somebody who is having trouble with it. So besides tattooing it on, on your body. Arm. Well, I mean, think if you're moving, the best advice is to put it in a box and put it somewhere and see if you actually miss it. Because if you aren't looking for that box, then you really don't need it. And we yeah. did that. We put everything in our yeah. garage for, we started a year before because we knew we were going to leave. And we started putting things and then just editing and editing and editing yes. as we go along. Yes, yeah. so step and, by step. And yeah. having, you know, selling <clears throat> things on, you know, Facebook Marketplace and having garage sales. Donations. Several of them. Um, and... And so I think a lot of people don't want to get rid of things because they feel like they've invested and they have actual money and they don't want to just throw it away because it's wasteful. And so, you know, with the internet, you can sell anything and even if it's for cheap and garage sales and you can, you can find a new home and feel good about it. And we did that. I actually had a wedding dress um, from Your my mom. mom. And I couldn't get rid of it. I it's literally, it, it wouldn't fit me. My mom is much smaller than me. And especially when she was married at, you know, 24. And um, I found a new home for it. I donated to a wedding dress designer who I hope repurposed it. And, um, and I just gave it to her. I mean, I found a home. So you feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think too. Is like where's where's the destination of it? And BJ had to like stand in front of me and be like, okay, stop giving everything away. <laughs> we need because I'm like, it's gotta go and it's gotta go now. We like it's right now, it's all gotta go. We needed some money to <laughs> yeah, he was get like, going on our Whoa. trip. <laughs> You are out of hand. <laughs> like every day I was leaving the house with all this stuff like that I was just going to give to somebody in yoga. And, yep. But then you started posting things and selling them. Yeah, and I works. would come home and he would have these beautiful stories about this family that was going to eat at our kitchen table. And the woman who was going to turn that, that bar thing, that crate and barrel thing oh, that yeah. I loved so much into some kind of sewing station and... All of the joy that people yeah. were getting from purchasing our things. We and met I some that fun really people beautiful. too through yeah. Facebook. Like we met some really interesting, kind people. Yeah. And who knew that like the best part of that was like meeting these really interesting, right. fun people. It was wild. Yeah. People showing up at your house, like <laughs> helping you unload the bed and trying to fit it yeah. in your car. And you're like... <laughs> I got to get this to fit in my car. And like, okay, we'll do it. And, and you're like, oh, it's going to fit. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, it's going right. to fit. It's not going back in the house. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the California King and the Civic. Yeah. You know, we're going to make a, it yeah, work. No, that's definitely going to fit. It's <laughs> yeah. no problem. It's definitely going to fit. All right. So you guys came down here. You consolidated your life. But you also consolidated your business because you had a catering business. And mm -hmm. now you're focusing on Jules Foods, which is the... Oh, like actually I'm having like a salivary like response <laughs> right now. You have this amazing cashew brie cheese and then equally as amazing is the macaroni and cheese sauce, which is like wow. you're one of the so few to have it. Yeah. Killer. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, I'm 
So that was that evening was all about self-regulation a little for me that evening i yeah. might have had two or three plates and that was still self-regulation i've seen you eat donuts <laughs> oh i know what's up i was eating them by the threes last week after my race um so yeah so how how has it been really coming into this new environment thinking like we want to be a part of the vegan scene in san diego was it as welcoming as you thought it was going to be or hoped it was going to be and how are things going with the business it's been amazing. People have, I, I found that people in San Diego and have been so wonderful. Um, and not just because they like cheese. I think genuinely really, really strong group of people down here and a nice variety of people who are vegan for many reasons. Um, but we've met some great people, wonderful friends who we can hang out with including you guys but um and then as far as the business goes you know obviously we've had to start slow find a kitchen kind of the logistics of of those things and um and start selling small and then we'll grow it so as you felt called to be here because it really feels like you were called to be here as opposed to be in LA or to stay where you were in Davis Following that calling and coming here and being by the ocean and fulfilling that piece of what makes you feel whole and peaceful, do you find that, I'm not saying you haven't had to work, but do you have you found that things have fallen into place for you? I, I think it's, it's so weird because I'm the podcast junkie in the house and I've listened to so many podcasts where <clears throat> you hear a story about somebody who's like, yeah, uh, ABC happened and I said yes. And then all these other things happened. And I feel like ever since we arrived, we have been kind of on the yes train where it's mm -hmm. like, do you want to do this? Yes. Do you want to meet this? Yes. And we just keep saying yes. And I know we've all heard that on different podcasts and, and it sounds ironic for us to be sitting here saying it, at least it does for me. And the community has been... I feel like it's just been amazing and outrageous and, and so grateful that they've opened their arms to us. And I don't know, I feel like we've been here three or whatever months, but I feel like we've been here a really long time. Yeah, it like, feels like longer, I, like it, in a good way. Yeah, like I feel like I've known these people for a long time, like I've been going to their events for a long time, but we've been here months and I feel like we just slipped right into home. It's, it's pretty amazing. And you're connecting with other vegan business owners that are, you know, really, it's almost like you're, I mean, you have different products, but you're kind of vying for a product placement and, and things like that in the industry. Yeah. Yet everyone's kind of coming together and saying, how can we all be successful? Cause there's plenty of room. This is what I have picked up around here. It's just like, maybe it's just who I'm aligning with, right? Everything is right. alignment. So I'm sure it's who I'm aligning with. It's just that there's plenty to go around. Tons. I, and, I, and we agree with that. We've always felt, believed that even when we had our, our catering company, because, you know, there's lots of caterers in the world. And we always believe there was, there's plenty for everyone, mm -hmm. um, regardless of what you do. So, you know, if you're making a cheese sauce and I'm making a cheese sauce, you know, they're never going to be exactly the same. Even if you put the same stuff in, they're just not going to be the same. Same. So um, I think that there's... The, the people down here, they're very authentic. Um, obviously, I haven't met everybody, but the people who we've come up with um, are wonderful and 
lovely, lovely. Yeah, I feel like most of the business owners we've come across feel like we're all trying to like move this huge boulder together. And and yeah, there's cheese and there's jerky, space ice cream, cream, (laughs) and there's soaps and there's candles and there's nacho sauce and like. And we all are competing because there's only so many dollars in a vegan market with our small pool of people that, you know, people are going to spend. So, but I feel like everybody really wants to support everybody to be successful. And if our cheese is successful, it's going to help the next person with their product. Like we're helping open some door somewhere for vegan products. That's going to help somebody else like Miyoko's without Miyoko forging ahead and doing this cheese project of hers, you know, where would that put us in that line of trying to push as well? So we feel like if we keep pushing, it allows other new people with their ideas to push as well. So is the vegan, it's a vegan cheese, obviously, but is the vegan market the only market that you're focusing on? Absolutely. And and what is the percent, what is the percentage you think of getting into the mainstream. I, I think that, um, I think veganism in general is becoming more, or plant-based, however you want to say it, is becoming more mainstream. And I think it's for a lot of reasons. Um, health is one reason. Um, a lot of the baby boomers are getting old and getting sick and they don't want to be sick. They want to live just like all of us and they want to be healthy and have a vibrant, active life. And so uh, I find that demographic... Um, a lot of them identify as vegan, plant-based, but also flexitarians, um, or just choose to eat healthy. And a lot of people, I think it's what, 60% of Americans are, um, lactose intolerant. That's a huge market. So dairy-free for either health or other cruelty-free issues. And one of the great compliments is I, we've had is that a lot of people, and I agree, say that Archie's is good enough to fool um, omnivores. Oh, 100%. Brie, and Brie was, whew, that and goat cheese was my deal. And your Brie is And we're Brie. not trying to fool anybody. We want to be transparent and let people know that it's made of cashews. We're not trying to, you know, hoodwink anyone. But we also love that they feel like it's, it's just good period. It's not vegan good or plant-based good. It's just good food. It is. And, um, and th- so we, we want to compete head to head. We want to be in the dairy case. We want to be in the cheese case. We were happy to, to compete on that level. And that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the goal is for that dairy cheese case to have our cheese and somebody comes in and the person that's working the dairy counter is like, Hey, have you tried this? this cheese here and they are exposed to the possibility of what cheese could be. And maybe they have a lactose friend who's coming over or a vegan friend who's coming over and you're like, Oh, I'll pick up this cheese for them. And then they try it and they're like, Oh, that's really good. So I think for us, it's kind of getting out of the echo chamber of just going to the vegans and trying to get everybody else to realize that there are some alternatives out there that, that, are, good. that are good. That are good. Yeah. And so, cheese was not was not, not the front runner in the vegan mm. and food industry. Yeah, to begin I mean, with. vegan cheese has definitely come a long way in and, a short. I feel like in a very short mm-hmm. period of time. Yeah, and I think that 
um, you know, they have come a long way and there's still some work to be done with that for whatever reason is important to you, whether it's health, because some of the cheeses that are out there are just completely oil based. And there's a reason because they melt. And so people want that meltiness and it's about the only way to do it is to add oil to a vegan cheese. So, um, but then there's also a thing going on where the same similar companies are adding um, flavors and they might be considered natural flavors, but there's still a fa- flavor that's created and they taste artificial to me mm. and they're not my favorite. So we try to really stay uh, clean and have a clean taste yeah. Natural taste. You guys are very high end from the packaging to the design to the actual food. It's just, and so you have a, a cashew brie and then you have a truffle brie. Right. Which is mm, so good. <laughs> ah, all right. So let's, um, so food, so food clearly is a passion of yours and you guys are both vegan and you had mentioned, Julie, that some people turn vegan for health reasons. Right. And you guys first started to dabble in the vegan world in 2001. Yeah, about that time. My um, stepmother had um, was diagnosed with a brain cancer, and she went vegan and extended her life uh, by about three times about it. She, I think she had six months to live, and she lived about a year and a half. So. How did she... Did, did the doctor recommend... Like, how did no. she go vegan? I, I think they just started doing research. She and my father started doing research, read the China study, and just went full on because they also knew that the cancer she had was very aggressive. And, you know, she she w- everyone wants to fight and go and, and work and try to make this not happen to you. Cancer's pretty tricky, and it can be very unpredictable. And sometimes it's, you know, just... Some cancers are too much, and they're gonna they're gonna win that battle. But she fought it hard, and she, you know, she extended her life in in a in a really positive way. She was very cognitive until yeah. the very end, and they attributed their diet to that extension of her. So life. when she was diagnosed, did they give her a time frame of how long they yeah, thought she they would live? Yeah, they thought she'd live about six months. Six months. And so she, I'm assuming she was around like, what, a year and a half, two years or something like that? Yeah, about a, about a year and a half. And pretty yeah. good quality of Very, life yeah. during that time. I mean, yeah. she was undergoing treatment as well. And so that's always rough because when you're going through chemo and surgeries, you know, it just, it's hard on you. So do you remember, was it, did she find conflict with staying on the vegan diet and continuing to do the treatments, like around the treatments or... Anything where the doctors were recommending that she eat a, a different way? I don't think so. Okay. I think, I mean, Mary Dawn was a very strong woman and strong personality that she wasn't going to have. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody... She, it, nobody's going to tell her yeah. what to do. <laughs> so you guys went vegan in support of that. Correct. So we, we wanted to be supportive. We wanted to be healthy and... We thought, we're going to do this in support. And we read the China study and we're like, this is amazing. And it is amazing. And then our life just kind of became our life. We were busy. We had a toddler. We um, we were around. Had a restaurant. We, yeah, we had a restaurant. We had we were working in, with food. And, and it wasn't it a just, vegan restaurant. No, and we just kind of 
slipped, let it slipped let back. it slip away. Now, was was your stepmother still alive at this time? Uh, I think that we slipped after she had passed. Yeah, I think she had passed away, and we kind of just let go of it and went on. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that some we were talking earlier. You know, if it's not directly coming from you and your need and your discovery, whatever that is for you, whether it's um, for the environment or for the animals or for your health, it's not going to be as meaningful. And so when you do things for other people and it doesn't, you know, it's not coming from your heart, it's, it's harder to hang on to that. And I think that we just, we didn't know. Mm -hmm. And um, did you feel a difference in the way, I know we're talking a long time ago, but did you Seventeen years I, ago, I'm actually embarrassed because I really don't remember yeah. it all. Yeah, it just kind <laughs> like of literally slid like back. You just slid back into it. Like yeah. so many people will do whatever it is if they're trying to quit smoking or they don't want that glass of wine anymore at night. Whatever it is, like you just somehow it did those. Those and we were actually talking to our teacher about this today when we had our meditation session. It's just these old conditioned ways or, you know, that maybe we think we're free of, we're not free of. You always have to be on high alert for those. And then sometimes they'll just come back in and just kind of merge back in with them. And then next thing you know, you guys are just eating, you know, at the restaurant and pepperoni pizza and that kind of stuff. And I I think it's it's interesting because um, when we were talking about the move here, one of our desires was we wanted to be surrounded with our tribe of vegans and and i think that when you're trying to be a vegan and you own a restaurant and you are surrounded by non-vegans it's it could be really really hard and um i just don't think that we had the enough information and enough support to continue that journey well and enough i mean just enough drive like it wasn't coming from within it wasn't like i want to make this change yeah well, and in the early, you know, 2000s, you know, there, we have so much more information now. We have all these amazing documentaries. We have all this social media that can help you and remind you and give you this, these statistics. And of course, personal experience is always, you know, the driving factor. So when you had your restaurant at that time, what was it like then? Because <clears throat> I worked in the restaurant industry and I was there from, you know, 95 all the way up until just two years ago. And things have dra- dramatically changed with what people will put on the menu and what the last chefs to do. At that time, do you guys recall anybody asking for, can we have a healthy, is there a healthy o- option or no oil or no butter or no, none of that? No, This is and, 2001-ish, right? And being a chef, like <clears throat> I actually had yeah. to go and apologize to uh, friends that... Um, I've known for a while that we're vegan or vegetarian because, um, can I use bad words on this? You can can use use whatever whatever words you want. As a chef, I talked a lot of shit about vegans and vegetarians when the request would come back. Can I get a vegan dish? You have to be freaking kidding me, right? So when I became vegan, I actually went to them and apologized for like all the shit talk I've done over the years about isn't, isn't bacon vegetarian, you know, those stupid Stupid comments. comments, yeah. Uh, I might so, be a little familiar with those uh, comments. Yeah. I think yeah, everybody is. There was, at the time we had our restaurant, there was no uh, really... Awareness s- around awareness it. Around well, it, it. Yeah. So it the reaction anything, was like... If anything, it was resistant. just a vegetarian option. It yeah. was not even vegan. It wasn't yeah. even on the, the radar right. of the people who were coming in. But you know, I love that you just shared that, though, because... <laughs> 
I'm totally the customer that's like, they've got it on the menu. They can just make it, you know? So I'm always like, oh, can you take this? They have asparagus. They have (laughs) So I was probably cussing about people like you in the kitchen throwing a pan across the kitchen. Yeah. But that's real. I think that's real. I think that's what happened more often than not. And still happens. Oh, it's much better now, for sure. So you guys are are cruising. You've got your restaurant. You're not vegan anymore. You're just going, going, going. And then all of a sudden your world just stops. Well, we had, um, we were in LA when we had our restaurant and, um, we decided to move to Northern California. My mom lives in Davis. My dad is in Sacramento. I grew up in Sacramento. So we decided to go to Davis to raise our son and moved when he was in first grade. So we kind of, the schooling really started there and, um, yeah, we had our catering company and. We were cruising along. Just, just added a food truck to the business. Yeah. Two and months later. I was diagnosed with uh, colorectal cancer. Um, in the beginning, it was uh, a stage two diagnosis. Um, and so the immediate action for that is surgery, which is important um, because I had a very large tumor needed to be taken out there was no shrinking there was no talk about how that would happen it was just get it out and um and I was down with that the discussion around chemo when you have stage two is is optional um but what we found through the process of going through the surgery is they give you a lot of ct scans to make sure everything's going on going okay down there and there was a small dot on my lung which turned out to be um, that cancer had metastatized to my lung. And um, so then it was re-staged at stage four. And so this was 2014. So this is not a long time ago. Yeah. We're just coming up on On our five-year mark in next year. So that's a really important milestone. So what prompted, was it just a routine visit were you not feeling well no I wasn't feeling well at all I how long had you not been feeling well probably about four to six months I was in complete denial I I didn't want to be sick but I knew something was wrong um I was having blood in my stool and I was having other symptoms that I didn't really know were connected um in retrospect you're like oh that makes sense yeah like what do you can you share um yeah I mean it's um, so my, because I had so much blockage, I was very, having a hard time going to the bathroom. And so I was having what they call thin stool. And you can imagine if you're, if you have a tumor in your colon and it has to just come around, right. that's going to create it's that. like a big eddy in the river. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, and then because you're not eliminating properly, you always have to go. And so you're having all this backup. Oh, and, and so, so then how could you, you having, ever be in a good mood? So you just feel sick all the time oh. because you are all blocked up. It's terrible. Did it affect your appetite at Probably. all? Probably. I mean, I, I didn't lose weight, um, but I was, I was just, I knew something was really wrong. And when did you let Stefan in on the, I mean, he knew about the, the blood in my soul. I think I was trying to just say, I'm okay. I'm okay. Cause nobody wants to be sick. And I, you know, I think as women, and I mean, maybe as people, um, you want to, you want to be strong. You don't want to be like complaining. Like, I don't want to be, I've never wanted to be that person. I don't 
look, I kind of look at it as like, what are you complaining about? Get on with it, you know? And it was definitely took that route. You know, I was a mom, I was a business owner, I was busy. I didn't have time to be sick. I just didn't want to so do it. So you were in denial. Totally. But was there, was there a part of you that was like, oh my God, what if I, I have cancer? I think there was a part of me that knew that something was very wrong. And yeah. so when I went in, um, I think they realized pretty quickly, like from talking to me, they immediately wanted to do a colonoscopy, which is not what, like when I talk, when you talk to somebody, say, oh, I have blood in my stool. They're like hemorrhoids. You could definitely have hemorrhoids. You're fine. But if you go dive deep with your doctor and they say, oh, well, let's do a colonoscopy. They know something's really wrong. And was there a final straw that made you go to the doctor? Was there something that compelled you to just, this is, or was it just, it just just wasn't stopping. Yeah. And I just thought, I, I, thought I have to deal with this and I just finally did Stefan what was what was it like for you like did you were you grasping that maybe she wasn't well I I don't think I really knew that she wasn't well until uh, the colonoscopy was done and the doctor so I'm in the waiting room right for a long time and like people are coming and going and like you know like new people are sitting down and then they're leaving and I'm still sitting there and I'm like, geez, this is like really taking a long time. And then I'm getting nervous. And then, then the nurse comes and gets me and I'm like, this, this, there's nothing good happening when the nurse comes to get you to Nobody bring you else back, got right? Back. Nobody else right. goes back into You're the like, tour. I'm watching the flow and this is not the flow. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah. So the, the sad thing about this story is that, um, during the colonoscopy, they put you to sleep. I don't know if you've had one, but <laughs> they put you to sleep and you're not supposed, you're supposed to wake up in recovery. But I woke up when they were still um, doing the colonoscopy at Whoa. the very end. And so I, I looked up and it's the kind of um, drug that you're not supposed to remember, but I don't know what it is about me, but I remembered vividly what was happening. And I looked up on the monitor and I could see this mass and it was the tumor. And I said, what's that bloody mess? <laughs> and he said, that's, uh, that's cancer. And he didn't think I was aware of it. He didn't know that. That is such an incredible gift because yeah. you were under such a veil of denial Yeah. that there was something that woke you up when you were supposed to be under yeah. to see exactly what it was that was coming and it was, to get it you. It was scary looking. And, Ooh, and I, of course, started crying because I was also still drugged up. So I was, you know, there was no defenses that I could like hold anything back and so I just and the doctor crying. was just so matter of fact right like that's oh my God. Oh, well he just figured I wasn't aware right of course you know, yeah he, I mean he shouldn't have said that but <laughs> he did and he's probably nerd, done it a hundred times and, and the was nurse nine, was so time. mad like if looks could kill he would have been dead she just shot him some knives through her eyes like because I saw her do that's that so wild and she handed me a bunch of tissues and then they they finished it they were like we're, we're done and I think they were taking some biopsies at that point or something. And, um, and so then, so then when they went and got Stefan, I'll let you pick up. Yeah. I I mean, it's, I kind of remember it's only four, almost five years, but it really seems like a long time ago in my memory. I just remember going into the room and, and like Julie was crying and kind of like still in and out. And they were like, she's like, I have cancer. And I was just like, 
wow, okay. You know, like kind of typical male, let's get the hammer and nails out and let's like get to work and let's get this fixed and get on with it. And uh, I think that's kind of the approach that we took is um, you meet with the surgeon and you go over the surgery and they book the date and and now did that all happen that day? Because you said it was, it was like, like a train that moved really fast. It was not that day, but I think we were probably in the surgeon's office like the next week. And then, yeah. like, well, you meet with the oncologist. You meet your oncologist because she's in charge of cancer care. And then from there, you meet with the surgeon, not the same person. And, and then they all work together. All of a sudden you have like going from like maybe one doctor that you see maybe once a year to like all of a sudden you have like five doctors. <laughs> like I don't want five doctors. Shit. And there was it was it was kind of a weird thing because Julie's tumor had not actually grown outside of the colon wall, and and had not. Uh, the lymph nodes were all clean. All sixteen lymph nodes were completely 19. clean. Nineteen were completely <laughs> clean. So in the beginning, when we were going down this road, it was like, you know there's so much good news about this cancer. Like it hasn't gone through the wall. The lymph nodes are clean. It doesn't seem to be super aggressive. We think it's been growing for a long time to then finding the tiny node on her lung, which they think was a piece of the tumor that broke off and was in the blood and landed on the lung to all of a sudden to like, we're going to do a lung lung resection, which was another big surgery and then healing from that. And then starting, you know, eight months of chemo. And I think it happens so fast, at least for, for, on my side, like we're balancing the business. We're trying to run a food truck. We're trying to run a catering business. We're trying to get our kid to school and recover from surgeries and then start chemo and recover like weekly from chemo. I I remember we scheduled the surgery and they said I would be out in about four days tops. Um, and we had scheduled, we had on the books a catering for like 200 people, like sit down, huge, huge catering. And I was like, I'll be there. No problem. Don't worry about it. Like I was so certain. And of course, there was complications, which is very typical with, um, with this kind of surgery. And I was in the hospital for like two weeks two and, and, weeks. and I'm trying to plan this catering from help Stefan. Cause you know, we're, we we're, we're kind of a two, two man show yeah, two person and, <laughs> show with like some help here and there and getting, I mean, I'm like, in the hospital getting staff, like getting, Planning a catering from the hospital. Yeah, but I feel like ridiculous. I, I know, but I feel and so people might look like some people might look at that and be like, they're insane. Yeah. They should have just sold the business and taken time off. But I don't know. I kind of feel like it allowed you purpose and yeah. focus. Hundred percent. And we were just talking to our teacher today about how when he goes to the dentist, he doesn't get Novocaine. Oh, and yeah. pe- and people go, What are you insane? He goes, Well, I don't I just focus on something else. Yeah. I don't focus on the pain, and that's just where he is with his mind skills, right? Yeah. I'd probably still need the Novocaine at this point. Yeah. But it's your, your, because if you're now you're at home and you're just sitting there and like how much of that cancer is gonna consume you, but I feel like it kept you. It put Julie on a mission for sure. Yeah. To, to, I, I think it was probably a very like, good thing. Yeah. It, it made Julie, um, it was super important for her to be 
an active team member, no matter what was happening. And I think probably even pushed herself too much sometimes. But I do think that that was a big part of Julie's like positive mental attitude. And she was like, we have a business to run. I have work to do. And I I think it was probably a a really good thing. That's the human will, right? It is. So no matter what you do, you have it in you. And yeah. we talking to our meditation teacher this morning, like athletes, like <laughs> we had a really good conversation, really good Sorry. conversation. <laughs> but many, many. <laughs> so this is again. your personality. This is you, you. You've taken many small steps throughout your lifetime to get to this point. It's not like all of a sudden you're going to dive into the business. And there's something about you that continually moves you forward. And that could be, you know, you're at the, you're in your house and you're like, oh, maybe I should just clean that up. And you do it now. Like you, you're just constantly moving forward versus stepping back and just letting things happen. And so that momentum was always with you. So you just continued to move it on. And I think, I think that's important because you can, you can change that at any time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I think I do remember one of the many conversations that we had with my oncologist. Um, and she said, your attitude matters. This people have better outcomes when they are positive and when they, you know, but a lot of people don't know that. And you're like, oh, obviously. But um, the fact that she had to say that to us and that she says that to all of her people is is very telling. And, you know, I took that to heart. And I also yeah. really, to back up, when I was in the hospital for two weeks, one of the worst experiences of my life, um, they wouldn't let me outside, like even to walk around because I was that sick. I didn't really well, know it. Well, we're skimming over the fact. So the reason Julie was in the hospital for two weeks is because she had a leak in her colon. Right. So her colon was leaking into her abdomen. Oh, and totally. Just which, toxic. Which, which is, can be, you can go so septic So Julie really was uh, literally within a whisper of needing to have a bag for a year to let that heal so they could do another surgery to fix it. And luckily it healed and she didn't have to. So, you know, that two weeks was like not, we're we're like glossing over that. It was like, you know, complications, but it was like, like we were super lucky that Julie didn't have to wear a bag for a year and deal with all what that life's meant. And, uh, but, so it was pretty intense. Yeah, but two I, weeks. you know, I wanted to get out. I wanted to go home, and and if not, if they weren't going to let me out, I wanted to just go outside. And finally, after like day eleven or something, he, my surgeon said, you can you can take a walk outside, and um, it was a beautiful spring day, and there was roses. So whenever you walk up to hospitals, you always see a lot of beautiful flowers. I understand now because like people who are like me in desperation they need to see this beautiful thing and I remember walking outside and just starting to cry because of the beauty of our earth and in that moment I made a commitment to be the best I could be to get better and to be strong because this earth this is what I wanted. I wanted to live. And that seems really simplistic, but it was, it was a lesson I clearly needed. Yeah. Mm, see? I'm tearing up. It's an odd, <laughs> but it was, it, so it was a lesson that you needed. It was an opportunity for you to learn that lesson. Yeah. And thank goodness that you're sitting here right now. Oh, so God. 
So how yeah. did, so vegan comes back into your life and yeah. when does that happen? Because you, you've seen, so, you already have the evidence. You already have yes. the files in your brain yes. that actually it made a difference. You know, it's, there are no coincidences, right? And I, I totally am learning that like more and more. We were at an art student art thing where all the students in this community center had their pieces. And we lived in a small town and uh, you get to be close with all the different parents. And then once they go to junior high, you kind of lose contact with those parents because there's different junior highs and you just don't see the parents as much. And we ran into a friend and she had heard through the grapevine that Julie had just finished all of her chemo and stuff. And she was like, I have something that I'd like to share with you. If I can share it, if you're open, I don't want to intrude. And it was a video series called The Truth About Cancer. And uh, we were like, yeah, of course, because Julie was getting acupuncture at the time to help with her neuropathy from chemo. And her acupuncturist was like, you need to change your diet. You need to make these these changes. But she was never specific. But acupuncture, like... That medicine isn't necessarily vegan because they, they actually, my acupuncture had put me back on like, you need to eat meat. You're so blood Yeah, deficient. she was like, you need to do like a, a, she said a macrobiotic, macrobiotic diet. diet. So then of course we go home and start Googling macrobiotic. Still and have like, no idea what that means. Like, I don't even understand. <laughs> You're like, if it's not on yeah. the, if it's not on the catering menu, I'm exactly, not quite sure. Right? <laughs> and then, so we watched this video and it was kind of like that moment where like you go, holy shit. Because the video is talking about like sugar and, and it gets kind of specific about some things. And then I, I just, so I would listen to the video. I wouldn't watch it because I would be in a kitchen and I would just do the video, but put it in my pocket and just listen to it. I finished a video series and of course they want you to buy packages to get the rest of it. But we kind of had a feeling that food matters. And I started Googling like uh, vegan stuff. And of course, Rich Roll pops up pretty quickly, right? And I'm like, oh, here's this dude that looks hella fit on his thumbnail. And I'm like, he's vegan. So I found his podcast and basically listened to like every Rich Roll from number one to the end. And they were super heavy on the... In the beginning. At the beginning, very, very heavy on the I, vegan, vegan the athlete, vegan... The food. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're he had quiet, yeah, all the doctors mm-hmm. and, and then I would Google the doctors and try to find those doctors on other podcasts. I do love early Rich Roll. I do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I am actually... Uh, I would listen, I I mean, I'm not exaggerating, like all day at work ritual. He'd come home and I wasn't doing that deep of a dive at (laughs) all. He was doing the, you don't, you you only need one researcher. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he comes home and he's like, you gotta listen to this. And so I would. Juliana Haver and all those guys were just so amazing, you know? Early ritual. The Soil Whisperer, that was so good. Yeah. Yeah. So how far is this now from like the diagnosis? So you're saying you're coming up on five years. So I'm assuming, was it like December-ish 2014 you found out? Yeah. So it was um, April 2014. And so my, all of the surgeries and the, it was about a year and a half of treatment. And during the eight months of chemo, um, it was supposed to be six months, but because of complications like you get sick and then you have to skip a week and then you skip another week and so then it gets drawn out because 
it's just, that's how chemo works. And, um, during that time, especially by the end, I was having a hard time eating just cause food didn't taste good. It didn't feel good. So I was living on, um, yams <laughs> anyway, and, and butter, <laughs> and, but there was butter on them. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, it wasn't hard. until really Julie had finished her uh, yeah, treatment so that truly that we found it, but so like a year and a half after the diagnosis, yeah. is when you could really, because yeah, if you're not feeling good, like you just got to eat whatever it is that you can get in, right? Yep. yep. But or once we eat. once we found it, and I was listening to everybody, there was that was it. Like it was, re- we were really clear. I and and my acupuncturist and I said. She keeps saying I need to change. I know I need to change because what happened before wasn't didn't work. And I had made that commitment to change something. And I didn't know what that meant. I just knew I had to do it. And so um, I came to Stefan and our son Carson and I said, I, I think I need to go vegan, but I need your help because I can't do it alone. And they were, of course, awesome and just said, okay, we'll do it. And we didn't force Carson... We said, in this house, this is how we're eating. If you choose to do something outside of this house, that's your choice. Carson at that time was what? 16, 14? 14. Okay. And he, we also started educating. We watched, we sat down and watched, you know, Forks Over Knives and Cowspiracy. And and we included him in that. And he, for I think two weeks. My boy Durian Ryder, of course, on YouTube (laughs) when he first became vegan, right? (laughs) I mean, geez. It took him a couple of weeks, maybe give or take a couple of weeks. And, and then he was on board because he started learning and, and the, it's so obvious once you learn the truth and it wasn't easy necessarily at school and stuff. We, but we just made a commitment. I would pack him his lunch and, um, every day. And, and so he had a lot of food and I would give him so much more food than he needed because I wanted to make sure he was fed. And, um, and he probably like, you get so full on it. Last night for dinner, we had Brussels sprouts roasted potatoes and yeah, um mix. and some like kale and cabbage oh yeah so, full so yeah. After a few bites yeah i was yeah. like i cannot eat like i want this so bad but i cannot eat it because you yeah. get so you full because so of all the yeah. fiber yep yep yeah but and and the amazing thing after we made the changes we really then we felt so much better and it was that first kind of we're in the honeymoon vegan phase where you're just like, I can't believe how good I felt. Now, granted, like I wasn't on chemo and I wasn't sick. So I... But you were still rebuilding because chemo wipes you out. Yeah. Yeah, But but Stefan was true like he was truly like he wasn't sick and he was just like a different guy. And you're a cyclist. Yeah. Were you feeling anything with your cycling? Oh yeah. it, it, It completely changed me as a person. I became a different person when I went vegan I, and it's hard to explain. It's like a cellular thing. Like I, I tell people I became a nicer person. I was kind of that, uh, quintessential dick chef. Like it sounds like you're a dick chef. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, was <laughs> I, I, I could tell you I've stories. I've never had the chance to say you're a dick chef on yeah. this podcast before yeah. I had to say it. I, I have, uh, years of stories that, that, uh, were, were, uh, Did you have a little bit of a lessons. temper? I have a lot of a temper. And it's he still has a temper occasionally. It, it's my Irish hooligan side of me. It just flares and up. And that's okay. You have yeah. to be who you are. I mean, I, I 
I'm Irish as well. And like my mother, who's 85 or 86, like she is a peach. Mm-hmm. But if you push her too far, yep. you get on the other side, like you're never getting back. No. And she know like she'll say this. She's like, "You should have known not to push me." He pushed me. I'm like, "Mom, you're like 85. This guy's like 32." You know, and like they're scared of her. But that's how it is with the Irish. That's how I grew up. It's I, like you push me too far, you're never getting back. Like I'll go over the edge. It's often a reaction first, and then a thought much later, and then you realize that that maybe wasn't the best reaction. Familiar with that? But yes. That's just how it is sometimes, man. <laughs> and I have to say, I've gotten better at a it lot better. over the years. A lot better. Yeah, it, it it's really weird it, I uh, felt like I changed as a person and then of course I found yoga really quickly after like that like all these little things started happening uh, I found meditation which I'm very sporadic with and I don't know a lot of things just kind of like clicked in place and I changed like like I feel like I changed a hundred percent do you feel like that has anything to do with like the vibration of the food that you were eating, the milk of, from a mother that was supposed to be for her baby and the meat of an animal that was living a certain life. Do you feel like it had something to do with that? I believe that personally. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't, but, um, I, I, I believe it. And I also believe that when we probably like a lot of vegans, we started super clean as a vegan eating and like, like really diving into all the veggies. But then you learn that there's this other side of veganism that's like junk food vegan. And you're like, oh my God, this is vegan. We could do this too. And then we started to eat a lot of junk food. And then guess what? You start feeling like you felt before. And then you start swinging back to uh, being a little bit more uh, plant-based with some junk food moments thrown in. Junk food moments are important, I think. So... (laughs) I definitely feel like um, the more living stuff I eat and the more uh, less processed I eat, I actually feel a lot better. Well, from, you know, the yogic standpoint, from yogic philosophy, there's three qualities that are always at play here in this prakriti, this nature that they call it, right? So, and that includes our bodies mm-hmm. and our thoughts and everything are, are part of that nature. And they are um, sattvic, uh, tamastic, and rajastic. And the sattvic is is, um, the purity. It's the high vibration. It's love. It's kindness. It's calm. And when we're talking about food, that's the plant foods. That's the Brussels sprout dinner we had last night. Mm. Then there's the rajastic, which is like the cayenne pepper, the caffeine, the thing that's going to, the vegan donut that's going to mm-hmm. give you, well, that might even be tamastic. I'm trying, I'm trying, to, up, I'm trying to upgrade the vegan donut <laughs> um, where it will give you a little, but yeah, like sugar, it will give you, a, it will give you something, but mm-hmm. then the other side of it's like, eh, sometimes you got to pay the piper a little bit for it. And then there's the tamastic food, so the chips. The, you know, the, I know I love chips, um, the French fries, the fake meat burgers, the, the, and also not even the fake meat burgers, but like dead flesh. Yeah. Um, so dead foods. Uh, can very we heavy. upgrade chips to the to the to another category? Yeah, well, we, I don't think we can go all the way to sattvic <laughs> with the chips, but... Um, They are salty, so they could be considered rajastic, but those three qualities are always at play in the world. And 
And, you know, sometimes when I wake up in the morning and I want to just roll back over and not do my meditation practice, I always just say, oh, well, that's just the lethargy of the tamastic energy. That's yeah. all that is, right? Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my food to say like, ooh, look at that. You got the cayenne pepper, you got the whatever, the salty chips. And, but it's just an observation. And, and, um, but I always, like you, like I, mm-hmm. I think everybody, you feel so much better when you're in that more yeah. pure, yeah. pure sourced food closest to its natural state. And for us living in New England, coming out to California, specifically Southern California, where we've got produce year round, this was such a big thing for us yeah. to come out here and be close to that source so that the nutrition is even higher. Yeah. Yeah. We are so lucky out here. You don't. Oh yeah. We t- we take it for granted. We're, we're very spoiled. Yeah. With, and I think even like veggies. listening to early Rich Roll, like you know, back in 2011, which is when we went vegan, hearing them talk about avocados and you know the <laughs> farmer. I used to get like mad. I'd be like, okay, Julie, you went to the farmers market. Great. Like we don't have a farmers market here. If we do, it's all mushrooms, it's you know, all, yeah. <laughs> that are grown inside. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, it's really amazing to live out here. We're, we're so, so blessed. Um, and I found a very similar thing to you. You know, I joked about being Irish, but I had a lot of anger and a big temper and, you know, I've punched a wall until my hand bled just so I could feel something. BJ likes to bring Bring up the fact that I've smashed some computers. Wow. In my past. We might be related. <laughs> but, and I, you know, I asked John Joseph the same question when he was on our podcast, yeah. John Joseph McGowan, like about the anger. And for me, I noticed a, a huge difference when I stopped ingesting violence mm-hmm. and I didn't have that, that energy within me that like, I would just scream because I didn't know how else to let it out. It was so aggravating and painful. And, you know, I think the food I eat and the meditation and the way I train my mind and the thoughts that I choose and the people that I surround myself, every, it's all a recipe. It's all, as BJ would say, it's all the stew for your life. Um, but I think, you know, what, one of the greatest books I love is the world peace diet by Will Tuttle. And he talks about what we put in us becomes us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, you can't argue with that. Of course it becomes us. We absorb it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they've shown, um, that animals release hormones when they're killed and you're ingesting those hormones along with a lot of other stuff that we have no business have putting in our body. But I think that it's, it's clear to me that we, you look at vegans and you look at all of these things and we all you know, it's, it's just so much healthier and better. And the great thing is we have doctors who are doing such a great job, plant-based doctors that are really educating and it's becoming much more mainstream. Even, you know, when I had to reestablish my care down here, you know, I found a vegan doctor. I was so excited. And, and he's at so Ki- cool. At Kaiser. He's straight edge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At Kaiser. And, um, and my oncologist isn't, but you know, he's on board. He's totally cool with it. Um, you can't argue with it. You cannot. No, you no. can't argue with it. And, and so it's really nice because, um, the one thing that they kind of look at me and they're like, Oh, you're vegan. You'll be fine. You know? you'll be fine. And that, you know, the power of the mind is incredible as you know. And just having a mindset like that, that's having it reaffirmed as well. Yeah. And you know, after I finished treatment, I went to true North health 
have you been? Have you we haven't been. It? No, it's it's definitely so been it's a, something we're looking at. They do water fasting, and they're absolutely amazing. The work that they're doing, and they've been doing it. I mean, they're they're the OGs. I mean, they've been doing this for over twenty years, yeah. so they really know their stuff. And so I went there to kind of detox and just do a water fast. I was there for nine days, and it is completely liberating to not eat and just get clean and truly be around like-minded healers. So I recommend that to everyone. How was that? <laughs> so nine, nine days, days. No food. So their <clears throat> protocol is um, if you're vegan, um, you can kind of prep before you come. But if you're not vegan, what you do is you do three days of veggies only. And then however many days. Well, so basically a third of the time they want you to prep and then a third of the time they have you on a water fast. Because the people then, who aren't vegan, they need to get fiber in their body. Well, and they also, if you're going, you can't kind of go cold turkey. I don't know. It's just really hard to, when you start talking about eliminating that stuff, you kind of need to ease into plants and then, and then get rid, then stop and then ease back in. And then they have you ease back in. So... I kind of prepped before, just had soft vegetables, and then when I got there, I spent six days water only, and then three days what they call refeeding. And, you know, you start with a juice when you refeed, and then they let you eat some vegetables, and then you can have grains and other vegan food. Um, my point was, it was, it was just amazing to be around those those doctors and, and Dr. Goldhammer. Oh yeah. And Dr. Clapper. And they also reaffirmed kind of that thing that we started with is the stress. When I talked to Dr. Clapper, um, I said, do you think I should go and continue my treatment with the oncologists and these things? Cause I was very done with it. And he said, yeah, go and do your tests, do it once a year and then forget about it. Just forget about it because it's not healthy to obsess on it. And if you keep looking, you'll find something. You all, because we all have cancer. Every day, everybody's um, cells are you know, changing and, and mutating, and then if you're strong and healthy, they'll, your body will take care of it. But there was, might be a moment when it's, it's not taken care of, and so that's why I just, I do my once a year, and as long as everything looks good, I don't want to see my doctors. <laughs> yeah. I love you, but I don't want to see you. <laughs> no, and they don't want to see you either. No, yeah. They're really good doctors. They don't want to see you either. Yeah. So, um, so I think that like it's reestablishing care, that's where I was. I just remembered. You know, it's great when you see doctors who respect those choices that I've, I've made. I'm like, I'll come in, I'll do my test. And now that I'm about to hit the five-year mark in the new year, um, I literally am I going to do that test. And then I don't think I have to have one for three to five years. So I'm so excited about that. Yeah. The test time is super stressful. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, you take the test and then it's like, you, you wait know, five, four days before you hear the result. And so there you're like immediately cast back to like when it initially happened and you're like, Oh my God, what if it's back? Cause what are you've we got that. Do? There's like some trauma in there. Huge. Yep. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, it's the worst. And we always try to downgrade the stress and like, I know you're fine. Everything's cool. But then like, as soon as we get the phone call that it's clear that it's like this a massive burden was just removed from our shoulders. Well, because you removed the doubt. Yeah. The doubt has been removed yeah. Yeah. and there is nothing more liberating and freeing in this life than to, to live a moment with no doubt. 
Yeah. I mean, it really is such a big piece of like walking a spiritual path is to remove the doubt. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm, I feel, you know, like I, like I, when I was sick, I knew I was sick. If I admitted that to myself or not, I bet I knew it. Like in retrospect, I knew. And so I look at myself now and I say, I'm fine. I'm, I'm healthy. I know this, but like the doubt is there's this little tiny percentage that is afraid and that's the fear. And so me, when this, that's why I limit it because I don't know how to eliminate it completely. That fear. I'm still working on that one. It's mm-hmm. your relationship to it. Too. The more yeah. and more clear mm-hmm. scans you have, the less of that fear is. The further yeah. away yeah. you get from yep. it, the, the better it's going to be. I never heard that, that comment about doubt. That's mm. really good. Because I feel like ever since we moved to San Diego, there's been like almost no doubt in like all of our choices and like all of our kind of like path that we're on. There's never been a lot of doubt and I've never really thought about that. Like you got to nullify that. I mean, doubt, just, doubt is a doubt. Yeah. yeah. Is what, doubt is paralyzing. Yeah. It yeah. freezes you. I nullify doubt in my meditation every single day. When anybody asks what your focus is for the day, it's always like nullify doubt. Every, Every opportunity. I have never thought about. This. Isn't that weird that I've never? No, thought that's about be- that? well. No. You know, it's you guys. You've cued me into so many things about your foundation during this conversation um, that you probably don't realize that you've done. And one is you have an abundance mindset that you know that there's enough to go around. That the success of all is your success. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then focusing on the positive and staying busy and not completely collapsing your life because you had this really devastating, um, diagnosis that you stayed living, you continued to live. And when I look back at, um, the experience that BJ and I had over the last couple of years where we were really dismantled, um, and I was talking about it in my yoga class on Thanksgiving. And one thing that I didn't mention, but it hit me later was that, you know, during those times where life brings you to your knees or brought us to our knees, you know, I would always say to people like the smiles are real. We're still living in joy, like because we're still living, Mm -hmm. we're still living. And no matter what it is, and I think this is, you know, the determination of like how stress is going to affect you or not affect you because the waves of life are going to continue to come. But do, do you allow those waves to keep you from living? Do you allow the fear to keep you from living? Do you allow the doubt to question your worthiness of, you know, the role that you're playing in this life or the dream that you're going after mm-hmm. or can you just in the most intense times just look for that next breath and live it yeah and that's where the ocean comes in i look out there and i feel like i can breathe that ocean in and let all of that fear and doubt and the fear of the unknown just wash away and everything's going to be okay because when you look at the magnificence of nature mm-hmm. it's it's humbling yeah and, and um, I love that story about the hospital going out and seeing the roses and what a transformational moment. And I've had very similar moments like we, to walk down to the end of the beach and, and to just look at um, the ocean and think about all the life that's in there. Oh, yeah. And all the drops of water that's in there and the expansiveness, like what is beyond what I can see. And it's just, it's so... We live in a world of amazement and awesome wonder, 
and we we forget about that so often. Yeah. And that's the that's the awesome reminder that we get, the gift that we get for, you know, living here and paying the ocean tax. It's worth every cent that that I pay in rent or whatever to to be able to have that gift. Cuz you know, we we you know, we went all in and we even we were talking to um, this guy and he said, oh, so what do you do something else while you're growing this business? And I said, no, we're, we're all in. This is, we'll be fine. We're, this is going to work just fine. Like I have no doubt about our business because I also just know that it's, it's all going to be fine. I, I, I don't have any doubt about it. Cause you know that on a deep level. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm yeah, you not just, worried it's an, at all. You don't have to really I don't know, know if he feels the same way. He's looking at me like, you're crazy, girl. <laughs> no, I actually, I actually take great inspiration that, that you're so secure in it. And, and I guess I don't really worry that much because um, at the end of the day, I could get a cook's job, no problem. Like I could go cook and make a living and pay the bills if that's what we need to do. So I, I don't really stress about it that much. But I do know from all the, the businesses that we've ran from pop-up dinners to food trucks to catering that if we're able to put 100% of our energy into this, it'll be fine. It's when the energy starts getting pulled like, oh, let's do this and let's do that and let's do this. And all of a sudden we're not putting you have to put it all in there and that's Stay not focused. to say Focus. there may not be like other projects attached to the, mm -hmm. the main project but uh, i'm pretty relaxed about it as well uh, ever since we, it's really weird i never thought about the doubt but there's been so little doubt since we moved here yeah. well it's the the, the your constant things are constantly buying for your attention they're, yeah. pulling, they're constantly pulling you out out and maybe the energy where you were they were just there's a lot of things happening. Yeah. And when you finally remove yourself from whatever that environment is, and now you're here focused, because we feel the same thing. We're here. This is where we were supposed to be. We yeah, feel like we've been here for a long time. We feel like we've yeah. been here for a long time. And we actually put our resumes out at one point to see like what was out there. And it was crickets. There was nothing happening. Yeah. But because we are supposed to stay focused. Yeah. Right. And even when things were really, really tough, oh man, when they, but we would look at each other and we would be like, but there's nothing else that we're supposed to do. Yeah. We know this is I what we're supposed to do. I always feel like it's the universe do. testing you. And I actually, always I, testing I, I mentioned you. this to my son and he had a different interpretation on it. And I said to him, I feel like the universe gives you maybe a choice and you asked for something and it's testing you to see if that's really like what you wanted, right? And if you choose this other thing, then maybe you really didn't want what you asked for. And he had a different interpretation, but he kind of agreed. And, and I feel like when Julie and I keep saying yes, it's a, a reaffirming that this is the, the thing we want to do. Like when you keep saying yes to it, it's going to keep leading you towards what you asked for. And when you start saying, and I'm not saying you say yes to everything because there are obviously some things. But when you you're like in a, we did that when we moved here, it was like, yes, 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 yes. And we did everything to exhaustion, meaning not that we were like exhausted, but exhaustion of like, okay, this isn't, this isn't working. Right. So, but what did we learn from it? Oh my God. We learned humility. We yeah. learned doing the work for the sake of the work. We made so many amazing connections and yeah. then we would move on. Yeah. You know, the universe will test you. The waves of life are going to come and 
but I, I believe that all of that is part of this, like this purification, um, to, to even make your focus more acute and, you know, it's a scientific equation. If you continue to focus and move towards those things that light you up and what you love in this life, it's going to show up. It can't not show up. I I don't know when. I wish I had that timeline. I wish I was cued into that. If you could when, you could really tap into a whole bunch of stuff. Then I will really have arrived. (laughs) Then pick the numbers that day. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's also like we keep surrounding ourselves with these like-minded people that are moving in maybe not our exact path, but we're moving in the macro path together and it's still feeding all those little micro energy paths. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, one thing that was coming to me when you were talking, when we were talking about mindset and like the fear and things like that, I was just watching the transcendent series on food matters, which is really interesting. It's like a five documentary series, about 45 minutes each. Dr. Lipton, Bruce Lipton is talking about like the culture medium for cells uh-huh. and how powerful the whole thing is about belief. And that, you know, when we think, when we look at a situation like a cancer diagnosis and we say, the lymph nodes are clear, like it's only in this one area and we're, we're looking at the more positive things, we create a culture medium, meaning the chemicals that are released from the brain for those, for those feelings that we're having through that thinking process is going to coat the body in health. And if we're focused on the, oh my God, this is the end. What are we going to do? Oh, we got to sell the business. We're going to go into financial murder. Now you're, you're creating this whole other culture medium for those cells to marinate in that are very, very unhealthy. And because we always have cancer cells in our body at any given time, it's like, how are we, how are we, uh, educating really? Like, how are we educating the cells in our bodies? And I guess my question is there had to have been some times where maybe you felt dark, like you were going into that darkness or fear. What was it that I think that you were able to pull yourself out? The, it's funny. Um, I think that there was never a time when I felt like this was going to get me. I never felt like it would kill me. Like, I know that people die all the time of this, but it's like the second worst cancer and or one or two in, yeah, in the cancer. It's, it's not bad. a good one. It's not a good one. It's very serious. And, but I never felt like it was going to defeat me. And I... Maybe I'm just was ignorant. I have no. Maybe my the power of my denial was so strong. <laughs> but I mean, I think there was times when I wanted to be, you know, like kind of wallow. There was there you. I think we all have that moment where you feel weak and you feel sad. And but then you know, I look at Carson and Stefan and like I want to see how it all turns out. I want to see the end of the show. I I. See, like I gotta see it. So I there's just I think it's just me. I I don't I need to be here. But but what you were doing is you were you were looking and feeling into the solution, which was your health. You I know? think like it, I want to see. I think see. that's exactly was the solution, and it was the the. It's almost like a project, right? Like when you build a house, there's like a project of building the foundation, and then you move up. And I feel like Julie was so focused on 
the project of getting through the chemo, getting through the surgery, getting like, I don't know if that's human nature where you slip into like, like dealing and getting over each little hump that's in front of you at that very moment. Um, but I think Julie also, and this is my interpretation, you know, being co-owners, I really felt Julie felt strongly and not like, yeah, I carried it a lot because I, I had to, right? Like I had to physically shop for the food, prep the food, cook the food, deliver the food, clean up the food, go back and do that all over again because Julie couldn't physically do that. So I think Julie fought hard to participate as much as she could, wherever she could, as, as often as she could. So I think Julie also fought to like keep, you know, intact, the business and I think that played a big role in like her uh yeah I mean we we probably could I probably could have fallen apart and like just said I need help parents I need help from you and please help us with this and they probably would have done it but it would have done nothing for me um and you know I always say I worked through chemo which is true I did work when I could but we've always had a division of labor and I definitely was not holding up what was normal and Stefan. Well, did. your work was just, it was, was redirected. Yeah. Towards oh, healing. Oh, 100%. For sure. and, 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 and obviously Carson and I were like, listen, you know, Carson stepped up too. You know, oh he, my was God. A, a he was 14 a 14-year-old working on a food truck when, you know, it's the last place in the world a 14-year-old, most 14-year-olds want to be. And he worked some really busy shifts with us where... He was cashier extraordinary. Cashier <laughs> taking orders where he stood there for like seven hours dealing with hundreds of people. And he was a total rock star, which probably made him never, ever, ever, ever want to be part of the food industry. <laughs> because he's going to be a rock star. Well, because he's going to be a rock star. and And so I think that... You know, Carson and I were super aware that, like, Julie's first priority was obviously becoming healthy. And uh, and I'm sure Julie had, you know, stuff that she handled all on her own in bed without me around where she was dealing with stuff that I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I remember um, saying to my oncologist, I'm really looking forward when to the time when we are past all of this when we can look back and say oh that was so hard and you know now I'm here I am I look back and I can reflect and she didn't quite understand what I was talking about she was like well I can't restage you and I was like no 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 (laughs) I just want to I want to get I want to skip this you already knew you were going to be on the other side I already knew I was going to get to the other side and I was looking forward to looking back at it and saying we did it she thought I was trying to solve something um, that I should, she should solve something for me, which is her job. But it was, you know, I always, I always knew we would get to this point and look back and say, damn, we did it. And I think Julie and I are a little bit different. Like I am the, the, the overshare where like when we were talking about doubt, like that's still in my head. And like, I want to talk about it where I get excited about these things and I'm like, want to share. And Julie kind of keeps, Maybe, and I'm like, why aren't you excited? And she's like, yeah, I'm excited about it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not. And she's like, yeah, I am. 
And I'm like bouncing <laughs> off the walls, right? Because I had like this silly little revelation of my own. And I'm like, Brian! He's going to want to talk about nullifying doubt nullifying for the rest doubt. of the yeah, day. And Julie's like, great, I'm going to have to listen to this. <laughs> and then he's going to have another idea he wants to talk about. Or he's going to listen to a podcast and be all wound up about it. But Julie is a little more reserved about these things. And I'm like, don't you want to work on this stuff? She's like, yeah, I'm okay. I think I'm okay. I'm doing well, we my thing. Well, we also come from really be- different backgrounds. Like I grew up with, um, you know, parents who were very kind of hippie, new age. So a lot of these concepts that were are brand new to Stefan were something that I grew up with. You know, mm-hmm. Be Here Now and Carlos Castaneda and and this whole idea of of these things. That was part of my life growing up with my parents. My mom, especially my mom. Doesn't you mean know. you can't get excited like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited on the inside. <laughs> As you so, can tell, I'm the wound up one in the relationship. <laughs> so, okay, Stefan, you're a chef, professional yeah. chef. Yep. And um, you guys have this amazing business, amazing food. But not everybody's going to be whipping up truffle brie at home. So let's just ask a logical question about somebody who's looking to go vegan to go plant-based like what's 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 the first thing they can just start in a day well i for me it kind of depends on personality i know some people need the transition and they need to to realize that they could actually eat food and feel healthy and full and it's funny because like when you talk to people and you're like what do you usually eat oh i have like chicken and potatoes and green beans and I'm like, well, already a third of your plate is already plants. So we're really talking about like one part of their plate that they need to adjust. So I really tend to point a lot of people towards like easing in with some of the substitutes and getting them to realize that having two thirds of their plate with their potatoes and the vegetables or rice and then adding you know, maybe if it's a big meat eater, maybe they do try the Beyond Meat patty and realize that, oh, that tastes pretty good. And then maybe they try like a bean patty next and they're like, oh, that's still pretty good. So I try to get people to realize that most of their plates already plants typically, whether it's pasta with white sauce and chicken, like you can make that exact same dish vegan with the Beyond Meat chicken strips or tofu that you season like you would normally season your chicken. And I also try to get people to realize that if you, if I cooked a piece of chicken for you with nothing on it, you would probably spit it out. So when people give me a hard time about how could I possibly eat tofu, I ask them, what do you do to your chicken or whatever meat you eat? And they all season it. Well, we do the same thing with tofu or a yam or a potato. And I try to get them to understand that like that animal product typically tastes pretty bad without all of the stuff they do to it. So I try to show people like make barbecue tofu or jackfruit. It's going to taste very similar. Yeah. So that's the approach I kind of take. Perfect. I love it. Anything else? Well, where can they get your cheese? If you're local, where can you get your cheese? Locally you can get it. So right now it's at Mm -hmm. Mission Square. We're getting ready to push into some new stores next month, which will be December or December. December. And then we're also getting ready to kind of tackle like a direct to customer where we will um, uh, deliver to your workplace or your home home and trying to set up like regional delivery days with like window times and do direct to customer. 
and we're working on shipping as well. Ooh, that's what we wanted to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah. we have shipping figured out. It's the commitment to, uh, purchasing the the packaging yeah yeah. because um you have to buy a pallet you have to buy a certain (laughs) um, you know the box has to be insulated right and so i can't just buy like 15 of those just throw in a tyvex exactly so we want to pursue that but we also are going to just really build locally and then take that uh, revenue and invested into being able to shipping one step at a time. So, yep. so for all you out there, if you want the cheese, move to Southern California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll have access to it. Come on over. We'll get you on the round. podcast. Join the tribe. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. You guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. for having us. Thank you for just that amazing, amazing in-depth I hope conversation. it's turn this sound on. <laughs> <laughs> and then you, we can go. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Definitely get connected with Stefan and Julie. I think we're going to have to add their brie to our high vibe retreat menus. I just feel it's so necessary to like share and support and connect as many of us guys as we can. You know, this community is growing every week. So for our guests that come out for high vibe retreats, like they're going to get world cacao. They're going to get, um, cashew brie they're gonna get uh, a visit to choice juicery and I can't remember what episode that was but that was with Nastasha uh, which was an amazing conversation so I just love bringing the community together bringing you guys together doing these retreats doing the podcast just all of us together creating a better world and this community is growing every week so to me that means that our impact that we are all leaving uh, on this world is getting bigger and bigger in a good way so thank you all for your patronage thank you for sharing the show and thank you to everyone who has left a review on iTunes if you haven't done that yet head over to iTunes and share your words of support with the world we're giving away a sweet YT trucker hat from Boco gear to one random review of this month so get yourself in the running and then Just keep taking one step at a time. You know, along the lines of what Stefan was saying, just stay focused on what is underhand right now. There's nothing more you ever need to do. Master what you're doing first and then expand. Move forward, but do it from a solid base. This is the path. I believe this is the path to mastery.